0: Welcome to the New Vision Podcast. New Vision, New Vision, covering the
1: whole world. Hello, welcome to the New Vision Podcast. My name is Adi, Fred, Max. This week, we begin a brand new series where Vision Group's undercover journalist gets trafficked, sold in a Dubai slave market, works as a slave, manages to escape and returns home to tell her harrowing story. Now, Vision Group, which broadcasts this podcast, is also the publisher of Uganda's leading newspaper, that's The New Vision. This story was first published by Vision Group's weekend's newspaper, which is Sunday Vision and Saturday Vision. Be sure to download more podcasts when you go to www.newvision.co.ug. Sit tight and take a listen.
0: I had interacted with Lebex Sporting companies for some time. And I was aware of the risks Ugandans go through while traveling abroad to do odd jobs. But I had never imagined the real shock that slave trade in the modern world actually is. The irony of it all is that girls are trafficked at their own cost. They pay for respectable jobs and discover on arrival at their destinations that there are actually no jobs to be seen. By this time, they're helpless unable to save themselves and resort to being used as slaves or sex workers until they are able to buy themselves out or escape. What a life! It is easy to imagine how disappointing but not how scary it can be when you are the slave in a home you do not know, cannot locate and are unsure if you will come out alive to tell the story. My story starts on January 7, 2020 when I stumble upon a Facebook comment by a lady who goes by the identity Monica the Proud Muchiga. From a long chat over several days, I get the idea to pretend I want to work abroad so that I get trafficked and give my first-hand account to the world. I have no idea the extremes to which the experience will stretch my nerves and almost cost my life. Monica is talking about why the Oman government has banned Ugandan housemates. I unbox her for details, and she claimed she was working as a housemaid in Oman and had experienced no problems whatsoever. She blamed social media for the bad press about housemaids working abroad, adding that it is overhyping the few isolated instances of bad experiences. Through messenger texts, I learned from her that there are Ugandan agents who can smuggle me into Dubai at a cheaper cost than the officially registered companies. I am excited at this point. Monica, who claims she was trafficked through Kenya to Oman, offers to help me try my luck. She says she has a sister who can find me a way to get to Dubai on fair charges. It is the first time I hear someone praising trafficking. Monica shares her WhatsApp number because she says she does not trust Facebook. Through WhatsApp, she sends an audio recording from an agent who says she only has job openings for housemaids. Her condition is that I pay 1 million shillings before leaving Uganda. According to her, debts are not acceptable. Monica tries to convince me to pay, saying I will be earning 1,200 dirhams, which is about 1.2 million Ugandan shillings, and will never regret my decision. I say I don't have the money. Later, she gets back to me saying she has another agent who does not want a single coin. At this point, I am curious. The agent will cover the cost of the ticket and visa. I only have to pay what is needed to process the required documents in Uganda. It sounds like a good deal, or is it too good to be true? Now, take a full-length picture of yourself in a long dress with a veil on the head, like a Muslim, and send it to me. You must smile and stand straight to prove you have no disability, Monica instructs me. She also advises that I hurry and take advantage of the list of applications they are working on. She says if I send a picture that day, I will get my visa the following day. I discuss the story idea with my supervisors at Vision Group. It is decided that I'm given life insurance, Interpol surveillance, and a rescue plan is in place in case I went off the radar. Alex Sembatia, the executive director of Make a Child Smile, an NGO which helps repatriate girls stuck in the Middle East is also contacted to keep an eye on me. On January 9th, Monica forwards me a recording of a lady speaking in broken English, identifying herself as the agent in Dubai. She says she's working on my visa application and wants a photocopy of my passport and my photograph. Monica says since we have become like sisters, she will talk to her to find me a comfortable home to work in. Monica then tells me to go for hepatitis B screening as well as testing for HIV, syphilis and pregnancy. I'm supposed to send the results to a Dubai agent whose number she gives me. The other costs are a yellow fever vaccination and 500,000 shillings which is supposed to facilitate my movement through the airport without any problems. According to Monica... Housemates destined for Dubai must bribe someone at Entebbe Airport to facilitate them to get through. This is because girls who are travelling on their own for work are suspected to be victims of trafficking and are blocked. Only those being exported by registered labour export companies are allowed through. I try to bargain, but she explains that 500,000 shillings has to be shared out between several people at different desks at the airport. By the time the trafficked girl comes into the airport, a line of officials who include the police, airport staff, immigration officers and intelligence agents have to coordinate to ensure she passes through without any hindrance whatsoever. On January 14th, an agent in Dubai sends a recording informing me that my visa is ready and that I now must get prepared with medical results and airport fee. She sends a picture of my valid visitor's visa, indicating that I'm traveling to Dubai as a sales representative and will be there for one whole month. Unlike other visas, this is on a piece of paper and not in a passport. Monica then gives me the number of someone called Nusra Zawadi, who she says will be my link to the Dubai agent. Nusra claims she is in Dubai, but her phone number is Ugandan registered. Monica also warns me not to tell anyone about my plans. Why, I wonder. She says, don't go to the village to say farewell or tell your family members that you are going to Dubai. You can just tell them you're going to Nairobi for business. People have a bad spirit, you also know. They can cast an evil spell on your programs. She also advises me not to get the yellow fever vaccination after all. But to go to the booking offices at the Namaiba or Gateway Bus Terminals in Kampala, where for 5,000 shillings, I can get a certificate without being vaccinated at all. I call Nusura, who claims it was she that applied for my visa. She says she applied for the eight visas and mine was the first to come out. So I should consider myself blessed. However, she emphasizes she will not guarantee my passage through Entebbe without the 500,000 shillings. She too advises me against telling my family and friends about my upcoming trip. Nusra starts calling me sister because we speak the same language. She briefs me on what I should wear on the day I travel and instructs me to pack only three long dresses, six knickers, sanitary pads and three veils. She says I'll find the rest of the clothes I need in my employer's home. She also warns me not to use text messages on WhatsApp because officers at the airport can read them. She suggests we communicate using voice notes. Later, Nusura says I should not bother with the medical documents. She says someone will arrange all of them for me at just 100,000 shillings. She gives me a number 0773-512913 on which to pay the money. It is registered in the name of Bida. Asanati. I am supposed to pick all the documents on the day of the travel on January 22nd. The day before I travel on January 21st, Nusra calls and briefs me on what to say while at Entebbe Airport. She gives me answers to possible questions at the airport and I spend the night memorizing them. I am supposed to be at the airport by 6 a.m. in the morning on January 22nd although the flight is scheduled for 10.30 a.m. I am sceptical that I will travel because I still have no visa in my passport. I also have neither the air ticket nor the medical forms necessary to travel. Nusura says I will find them at the airport. However, at about 8.30pm that night, she sends me a copy of my invitation letter, a copy of the visa placed in my application letter, and a ticket all through WhatsApp. The invitation letter is from Nuwagaba Silvano from Dubai on telephone number 91502557013, issued on January 15, 2020. I'm supposed to refer to him as my cousin. His resident identity card is also attached. His passport number is B1338837. And he's a resident of the United Arab Emirates, having worked there for the past three years. The ticket is from Kenya Airways. I print everything out. That night, I fail to sleep. I keep wondering whether I have made the right decision taking up this challenge.
1: Thank you for listening to the New Vision podcast. And this brings us to the end of our first episode of our Dubai Undercover story. The second episode of this story is going to be released on Wednesday. And our undercover journalist will be making more revelations to this story. You can download and share. Go to www.newvision.co. Stay safe and God bless you. You've been listening to the New Vision Podcast.
0: New Vision, New Vision.